How, how many of you have just had an amazing Christmas season? Yeah? Yeah. That's awesome. Give God praise for that. I, I have had, can I just share just a minute about my last six days? So as soon as the kids' Christmas play last week, which was awesome, which was great. Didn't the kids do amazing? They did great. But like my wife had her bags packed in the car and like she was like looking at me like as soon as, as soon as we were done shaking hands and kissing babies, she was like, is it time to go? Is it time to go? Is it time to go? Because we were on our way to Iowa. If you don't know, I'll, let me just inform you about my life. Enough about me. Let's talk about me for a little while. So, but, um, but I have two grandbabies that live in Iowa. And if you're a grandparent in the room, just show some love. Say, yeah. Grandparenting is the reward for not killing your own children. Yes, it is. And it is a grand and great and glorious reward. But we could not wait. It had been way too long. Isaiah is nine months now, and he has this cute little gap between his front teeth, and he just smiles all the time, except when he's crying and mad. But he's, he, we only see him when he's smiling. And Judah is two and a half, and so we could not wait to go see Judah and Isaiah. So we went to Iowa and spent the first three days of the week there, and then we all came back together and had family as a Christmas with, with 28 Becketts in our house, and so that was awesome too. It was really cool, but I got to do six bedtimes and wake-ups with my grandsons. But I, I have something to tell you. I loved every second of it, but it was not peaceful. It was not peaceful. I had forgotten a few things about what it's like to be a parent of a toddler. Being a parent of a toddler is hard. Any parents of toddlers in the room? Thank you all because your job security for me because if I didn't have toddlers coming to the church, I wouldn't have a job. But that is a tough gig, man. I'm telling you what. And peace is something that this season about. The kids upstairs are learning about peace, so I thought I'd talk to you guys about peace too. And, and I, I have a friend that was talking to me just about sometimes the busyness and the stress of the Christmas season. Can anybody relate with that? Can anybody relate that it is a joyful, incredible season, but it's also tough sometimes. And sometimes it's associated with memories. Sometimes it's, it's difficult because of circumstances in our life. And uh, I had a friend that was riding in the car with his son and uh, Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year was coming on. And he sang it, it's the most stressful time of the year. And, you know, he was just singing it to himself, wasn't thinking about it. And his son said, Dad, what do you mean by that? And he, it just kind of took him back. And he was like, wow, okay, you know, I, I shouldn't have said that out loud to my son. But it, it made an impact on him thinking about it's a tough season sometimes. And I loved it and I embrace it but it's a lot that goes on with it. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about peace. And so my question for you is this, is what has to happen for you to truly feel peaceful? And I encourage you to take notes, note takers or history makers. I encourage you to get your Bible out. I give Bible bucks to kids for bringing their Bibles, but I don't have any Bible bucks in here. And you're not getting any real bucks from me, none. But, uh, but it is a good thing to do. I'm gonna be in Psalm 119 today. And so if you wanna get your Bible flipped to there, we're gonna get there pretty quick. But what truly has to happen in your life to be peaceful? You know, a lot of times we have it said in our minds that, that, that it's all got to be perfect. Everything has to, to line up just right. How many of you are the OCD type of person that you have a routine, that you have a schedule, that you have a way about going about life, and everybody else should get it? Okay, thank you for those of you that are like me. It's difficult to live with us that are like that. Uh, just ask my wife. She will be glad to tell you. That's why she's at the Chiefs game today instead of me. So, but, um, 
Sometimes peace is something that's tough. Like as I thought about this this week having toddlers in my house, let's look at a few pictures of these, these glorious, wonderful toddlers. Anybody ever had a scenario like this in your house? Or remember this time when toddlers just kind of just get into whatever they want to do and usually do it with a dirty diaper and usually do it after they've puked or thrown up or something? How many of, how many of you have had this experience in public where your children just gloriously and wonderfully uh, scream and, and make you feel like uh, the greatest parent on the planet? Because, of course, everybody else is looking at you thinking they're the greatest parent on the planet. How many of you have ever had children fight with each other? Oh, I love those days when my kids would fight. I'd make them stand nose to nose and apologize to each other because, you know, they, they loved that. That made it even better. But, you know, as I think about parenting, as I think about life, kind of parenting and life are kind of similar in the fact that 90% of our lives is just pretty much thinking, when do I get to lie down again? When do I get to take another nap? When is the next time that I don't have to do all of this stuff? This is stressing me out. And you know what? And I thought as we were launching into New Year's, Pastor Dennis is going to be starting out the year with a series on prayer, challenging us to prayer and, and, to, and to a focus of prayer for 21 days. And I'm, we are really excited about that as a staff. But I wanted to think about the idea of kind of writing a note to yourself. And so I like Ben Rector, and this is a, a song quote of his. It says, note to self, clean the living room. That's good advice, isn't it? Do the things you don't want to do. Maybe fold that weak old pile of clothes. Anybody ever had a pile of clothes sit around for a little while? Yeah. Uh, hey, this is being recorded, but don't let my, my kids know. We folded like five baskets of their dirty laundry when they went away to go on a date. So, dirty Or clean laundry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Clean laundry, yeah. So they were, but they were, they were so thankful because we folded this clean laundry that had been sitting there in baskets for like a week. So, but yeah, do that. Note to self, get some exercise. Feels bad and you have to try, but as far as I can tell, that's how life goes. That's some good wisdom there. You know what? Hard, hard things happen in life. Note to self, don't let yourself worry quite as much. It'll end up fine enough, just as much as you think it has, as it has before. And I like what it says. Something else, you should think of other people a little more. You should have thought of that before because of everything you've written down, this is the first note that you wrote thinking of someone else, note to self. And so I want to look at this idea of of having some mental notes to self as we look at this because life is sometimes full of difficult seasons. You know, when you look at at the different stages that are ahead, um, look at some of these other pictures of of people. You know, as you you go through different stages of parenting, sometimes the the overwhelmingness of life can, can just take away everything that you're going through and, and the focus becomes on the problem. Sometimes you go through those different seasons to where you have a kid at a different age. How many of you parents are, are facing that, that, that journey of your kids getting a little bit older, a little more independent, and you're going, wait a minute, this isn't supposed to happen. I've done that three times. We've sent three kids out of the house and it's tough. Maybe you're in a season today where it's a lonely season. Maybe empty nest wasn't all that it cracked up to be. Uh, maybe you, you're in a season to where you've, you've gone through a divorce or you've gone through a death of a loved one. You've gone through a situation. Uh, maybe you're in a situation where you've got estranged kids. You know, we, we can all have situations in life that take away the peace from our lives, that take away that comfort, that take away that feeling. And there's also things that happen in life that sometimes you can get upset about. Anybody ever been offended? Yeah. How many of you are offended right now? Okay, well, good for you. We'll pray for you too. How many of you are offended that the Chiefs are going to win today? Praise God. That's right. Johnny North's not in the room, so yeah. 
whether you whether you like it or not, I am a Chiefs fan. I was born a Chiefs fan. I will die a Chiefs fan, and they will win the Super Bowl sometime in my life. That may be false prophecy, but I hope not. I hope not. But you know, life sometimes is difficult, and there's there's things that get offense in our life. And and what I what I have seen in my life is that a lack of peace is going to make me easily offended. A lack of being able to be centered and calm and focused on the right things is what's going to get me upset and is going to get me worked up. I mean, look at the, the culture of our day. Let's put some of these pictures up about protests. Anybody, anybody seen a protester and just thought to yourselves, man, you need a hobby. You, you've got way too much energy that you've put a focus on, whatever it is. I mean, there's things to be offended about in our culture. You bet. And I'm not saying that, that all that people protest is bad. You know, you can get all worked up about this. You can get worked up about that. You can get all in, in everybody's face about this problem or about that problem. And, and those problems are real problems. Please don't, don't misunderstand that I'm diminishing the fact that the things that people protest about, that the things that people get excited about, the things that people get angry about, intense about, offended about, are, are bad things. But the thing is, is that we have to remember when it takes away peace, it's a problem. I like Aristotle's quote on, on this. He says, no democracy can exist unless each of its citizens is as capable of outrage at injustice to another as he is of the outrage at injustice to himself. When it really comes down to it, our culture is pretty self-absorbed. Our culture is pretty self-centered rather than selfless. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that is supposed to make us outward in our thinking. It's supposed to make us think of others more than we think of ourselves. And it's also supposed to be something that helps us be centered and grounded and have peace in the midst of a storm. I like Psalm 119, verse 161. It says, powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. You see, there's lots of things to rightly so be offended about. There's lots of injustice in the world. There's lots of things that are just not right with the world. But when it really comes down to it, the only thing that should really put us in a place of tremble, the only thing that should really put us in a place of awe is God and his word. Because God reminds us all throughout his word that life isn't fair. All throughout his word, it's reminded to us that we are going to face trials, that we are going to face difficulties. John 16, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because Jesus tells it like this. In this world, you're gonna have trials. In this world, you're gonna have temptations. In this world, you're gonna have hardships and sorrows. Cheer up. Are you excited about that? No. But Jesus goes on to say, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When we keep our focus on his word, when we keep us, our focus and our awe in God and what he has planned for us, that's when we can really truly have great peace. I want to really focus on Psalm 119, 165. That's kind of the key verse that I wanted to look at today. I'm not going to keep you here long um, because the Chiefs are going to win and I want to see it happen. But uh, I mean, if you really want to stay here till three o'clock, we can, but I, I may not be with you. Is that okay? All right. But I love this verse because it says, great peace have they. And as it points out they, it's directing to somebody. And so I like that because it reminds me that that's something I can aspire to. How many of you know they? How many of you know them? How many of you know somebody? Do you know, you know somebody's gonna do this? Have you ever used that phrase? Have you ever seen some trash on the floor? Somebody should pick that up. You know what, have you ever, have you ever been in some place? You know what, they ought to do this. There's a they. That they is a somebody. And I like when I see verses like this because it reminds me that I can be that they. 
great peace. I don't know about you, but that's something that I want in my life. I love the idea of great peace. And so note to self, be they, be the them, be the somebody, be the one that everybody else looks at and says, how did they do it? How did they go through what they just went through and still seem to have peace? Do you know anybody like that? Have you, ever, have you ever witnessed somebody go through an absolute crisis in their life, an absolute tragedy in their life, and you see them respond with something that you're like, how? How did they do that? I'm going to tell you how they do that. It's God within them that does that. That's supernatural. That's not something that's natural that on our own we can do. Great peace have they. I like what Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, said about calmness of mind and about peace of mind. He said, the nearer a man comes to a calm mind, the closer he is to strength. You know, and, and there's a lot of methods and a lot of ways that people try to accomplish this thing called peace. They get their routine all in order. They get their ducks all in a row. They get everything worked out the way that they think it should be. And that'll, that'll help you a little bit, but it's only going to fall short when you put your hope and your stock in you creating that calmness, you creating that strength. Because the only thing that's really truly going to give you peace is a focus on God. And it goes on to finish it in that second half of verse uh, 165. It says, great peace have they which love thy law. I'm using the old King James Version because that's how I learned this verse as a kid. And it stuck with me. And I like the verbiage of it. I like, I like the other translations, but I really like what it says there because it, it reminds us that peace doesn't come from anything that this world has to offer. How many of you guys enjoy your family? Don't raise your hand if you don't. How many of you enjoy going to a nice meal? Yeah? How many of you enjoy going to a good time, going to a Chiefs game, going to a movie, going to do something fun? Those things are all good things, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things, but if we are looking to those things as what's going to give us peace and joy and comfort and satisfaction, It'll do it for a little while, but it'll eventually fall short. It says, great peace have they which love thy law. And you know what? That sounds counteractive. It sounds opposite of what our society would tell you. Our society would tell you that you should have all the freedom in the world and all be able to do whatever you want, and then you're going to have great peace. It's exactly the opposite. When we put ourselves in submission to God's law, when we put ourselves in submission to this book, There's a lot of people looking for answers in the world that we live in today. They are looking for answers. They're trying to fill it with everything in the world that they can fill it with. But I'm here to tell you that the only source of true truth on planet Earth is right here. God's Word. God's Word is the only thing that's really going to give us that peace. That's only going to do that. I I like what verse 162 says. It says, I rejoice in your Word. I love that because it reminds us that when we put our hope and our trust in God's Word... It's, it's like we discovering a great treasure. One of the things that my father did for me that was his best gift that he ever could have passed on to me was a desire to read God's word. He challenged me from the time I was a child all through my teenage life, and it didn't stick till I was probably in my 20s to read God's word daily, to not just do it a little bit, but to get a plan, to get a strategy, to go through reading the one-year Bible, to reading a Bible plan, to getting through it. And so for the last 20-plus years of my life, I've read through the Bible every year. And, and I realize now what a great treasure that is. I don't, I don't remember everything that I've read every day, but I guarantee it's done me some good. Every single day, what I've read has been something that has helped, that has contributed to me realizing the treasure of God's Word and that peace 
comes from honoring that and loving that and, and trusting that, that God has that. So note to self, the, the principle that I want you to pull away from this, this first part of the verse is that great peace only comes when we value God's word above all other treasure and wisdom. That's hard. There's a lot of distractions in this world. There's a lot of things that can get your attention, that can get your affection, that can get all-consuming. But when we put God's word as the most important thing in our lives, his wisdom, his statutes, his law, his ways, it may seem, it may seem opposite of what our world says to do. That is when the, it's a note to self that's going to click. And there's something about reading it daily. There's something about praying through God's word that really sticks. The second thing that I want you to pull away from, from verse 165 is that it helps with this thing called offense. Now, Offense is natural. If, if you don't get offended when somebody ticks you off, then I'm worried about you. Because I, I know people that, you know, it's like a fake, it's like a fake, uh, you know, I'm not mad, I'm not mad, I'm not mad. You know, my wife says to me, it's okay, I know what that means. You know what it means when your spouse says, it's okay, and they have a look on their face? It is not okay. It means you are going to pay for it probably for a long time because you did something, said something that you shouldn't have said. And, and offense is something that happens, but I like what it says. It says, grace, peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I don't know about you, but that is, that is supernatural. That's impossible for nothing to truly offend you. Now, it doesn't mean you're not gonna get ticked off about it. It doesn't mean you're not gonna get you know, your blood boiling about it, it means your reaction is not going to show offense. It means that you're not truly going to go ballistic and go off the deep end. I like what the New Living Translation, how it translates this verse. It says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. You see, you're going to get upset. You're going to get frustrated, but you don't have to stumble in the process of that. Look at verse 163 and 164. It says, I hate and abhor all falsehood. That means Whatever is against God's law, I don't like it. It bothers me. It upsets me. It offends me. But I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because all of your regulations are just. There's no coincidence that it says that because you have to remind yourself. Have you ever been upset about something and then you got over it for a minute until you saw their face again? And then you were right back there. You were mad again. And then you're like, okay, okay, I got this. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I don't, I don't hate them. I don't, I don't despise them. I don't loathe them. Uh, no, there they are again. Boom. There they are in their white boots trying to be cute. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get me some. <laughs> I'm getting some white boots. But, you know, I'm challenging you to be that person that somehow, some way, supernaturally digs into God's word so that you have enough perspective and balance about you that you're gonna just let things roll off. Do sometimes things need to be addressed? You bet. You bet. Sometimes things need to be addressed, but the method in which we do it never should show that we're offended, never should show that we've lost self-control, never should show. I like, I like what it says, be angry, but sin not. You know, there, there's, there's, a, there's a way to be angry, but not let it lead you to a place where you lose control of your behavior, of your self-control, and you show horrible offense. Nothing shall offend them. I will praise you seven times a day. We've got to remind ourselves daily, multiple times in the day, God, you got this. 
God, I thank you. God, I stand on you. God, I trust you. Even though I don't see the, the way out of this, even though I don't see it fixing itself, you got this. And I trust you. And I hope in you. I like what um, Mr. Rogers has to say about a lot of different things. I like, um, he's, got some great, he's got some great philosophy in life. And I, I do a lot in admiring him and looking up to him and reading his quotes and things that he says uh, because the guy was a genius. Whether or not you recognize it or not, his methods in dealing with children were so far ahead of his time, it's phenomenal. Um, there's intentionality to what he did. It wasn't just happenstance. And so I model that. I look at that. I see th- that. But I like, I like what he says here. He says, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them doesn't mean you sit and you don't do anything. It means that you find a way to see a need, to fill a need. You find a way to be helpful. You find a way to be offended. You find a way to be upset. You find a way to be ticked off and let it lead you to the place of doing something productive rather than leading it to the place where you stand out so drastically different from everybody else to say, whoa, wow. How many of you have ever seen someone's post on Facebook and thought to yourself, yep, they should have just thought that? Yep, they should have just thought about that one instead of putting it out there for the whole world to see. You know, there's lots of schools of thought on that. But I think in turn, we can be helpers. We can be those that look for God's law to be our true north, that looks for God's law, God's word to be what really does it for us to change the way that we see things. So note to self, showing offense in an unhealthy manner may be the norm in our culture, but it's contrary to God's word. As followers of Christ, we should not be the same as the world. That's a daily deal, guys. That's a daily struggle because the, the human nature is going to want to conform to what we see around us. The human nature is going to want to do things the way that we see everybody else do it. But that's human nature, not the supernatural nature that lives in us. God's word, God's spirit that dwells within us is our helper. I love the, the description of the Holy Spirit as our comforter, that he can help us through these challenges. He can help us through these difficult situations. So remind yourself on a daily basis, God, I need you. And only you can truly help me through this. I like what verses 167 and 168, I want to close it out looking at these last two verses in this section. If you don't know the way Psalm 119 is, it's, it's 22 different sections that start with a letter. Each one is representative of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is the Hebrew letter S, Shin. And so that's why these verses are all categorized together. But it really has a very strategic, intentional meaning. And it says this, I have obeyed your laws, for I love them very much. Yes, I obey your commandments and laws because you know everything I do. I, as a parent, have done everything I can to try to watch my kids and guide them and direct them. And now I pray a lot for my kids that are having kids now, as I pray for my grandkids. And it's, and it's hard because I can't do a whole lot to direct them and guide them. But I, I, I know that I can pray for them. I know that I can point them in the right direction. But like a parent, God knows all of us. You ever think about the fact that God's got close to 8 billion kids on the planet? And he loves them all. He loves every single one of them. He loves the people that you like. 
the people that you love and the people that you detest. Every soul matters to God equally. He wants every single one of his kids home. You know, when my kids were teenagers, I just I couldn't wait for them to get inside. I, I was that dad that I didn't go to bed and go to sleep until I knew they were all in. And I wanted them in the door. I wanted to turn the porch light off and say the kids are in. I can breathe. God's no different than that. He wants all 8 billion of his kids to come home. He wants to turn the porch light off and say, you made it. Well done. He wants that. But so many times we look at other people as our problem. Yeah, they may be the symptoms of it. They may be the ones that are, that are causing you grief. But really when it comes down to it, they're a soul that matters to God too. God's watching it all. He's observing it all. He knows everything we do. He knows everything they do. Great peace only comes from those that love him, that love his law, that put him first. And nothing shall offend them. I want to launch into 2020 with peace. How many of you want to start the new year out with a measure of peace that you've never had? How many of you want to start the next year out with the ability to say, you know what? I know I'm going to face trials. I know I'm going to face difficulties. I know I'm going to hit brick walls this year, but I'm not going to get offended. I know I have every other year of my life. I know I have every other time, but God, this time's going to be different. I have just enough hope in myself to say that. You know, you may think, well, Pastor John, you're a pastor. You're perfect. Hang around me a little while and I will disprove that theory. And my wife's not here to say a big loud amen because she would. We all fall short of God's standards. None of us is perfect. None of us has got it right. And you may be thinking to yourself, Pastor John, you have no idea how bad this last year was for me. You have no idea how many mistakes I made. Get back up. Dust yourself off and say, God, today I'm beginning again. Great peace have I that love your law and nothing's going to offend me. Nothing's going to get me down. Nothing's going to sidetrack me from following you. Here's my challenge as we close out. Note to self, not if, you will be offended. I can guarantee you there's going to be things today, this week, this month, next year that are going to offend you. Channel that offense, channel that frustration, channel that anger through God's word. There isn't a day that my daily Bible reading, in my opinion, hasn't saved my life. There isn't a day that there's something in that daily Bible reading that I needed so desperately. This book that was penned thousands of years ago is still active, still alive, still relevant for today. And it will be for each and every one of us. I want to challenge you to pray this year through the lenses of God's word. I heard that years and years ago to pray God's word. That when you, when, you, when you read a scripture and it really resonates with you, pray it. Say, yeah, God, I want that. I want to be that person. God, I want that to be my heart. God, please help me. And, and it, God, God will respond to that. He always responds to his word. It will never return void. And so I want to challenge you to pray for how to turn it into helpful actions. God wants us to be a people, a church, a community, people that truly love him and truly love others. I'm excited about this prayer emphasis that we're going to start the year out, and I challenge you to take it to heart, to get into God's Word. Get a Bible reading plan that you stick with this next year, that you get into, that you hold on to it, and ask God for that peace. Would you pray with me? God, I just pray right now, Lord, for your peace. God, I pray right now that you would help us 
put you as the most important priority in our lives. God, there's a lot of things that go on each day. There's a lot of things that happen around us. There's a lot of situations that can distract us, that can pull us away. But God, I know that you alone can be our source of peace, can be our source of truth, can be our source of hope. God, I pray that as we begin this next year, Lord, that it, that it is intentional that we launch into a season of prayer, that we launch into a season of your word being the most important thing in our lives. And Lord, I know that that is not going to return void. God, that you're going to do great things in my life. You're going to do great things in each and every family represented here today's lives as we stand on your word and we put it first. God, I pray blessings, Lord, over each and every family represented here today. God, many lifted their hands earlier today, Lord, to, to show that they'd gone through difficult times, that they were shaken through the situations and the circumstances of life. And God, we just pray right now that you have reassured them with your word, that your spirit has just touched them in a way that, that only you can do. And that as we walk out of here, we walk with a different perspective. And we thank you, Jesus. With, the, with your heads continued to be bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you one question before we go. We've talked a lot about Jesus, and any, any, any of you that have been in church for any length of time have heard the name of Jesus and, and the story of Jesus. But I want to know, do you really know him? There's a difference between knowing about somebody and truly knowing him. You see, when Jesus became my best friend, he changed my life. You know, it's just like any best friend. You've got to do your part to stay close to that friend. You've got to do your part to keep relationships sharp and active and a part of your life. But if you're here today and you've let that relationship slip a little bit, or maybe you've never walked into a relationship with Jesus ever before, just lift up that hand. I'm not here to embarrass you. Just say, Pastor John, I want, I want, to, I want to recommit my life to Christ, or I want to give my heart to him for the very first time. I don't ever want to have an opportunity where we don't give you that opportunity. God bless you. I see your hands. There's lots of us here today that, that as we think about God, as we think about his word, we want him to be first place in our lives. Would you all just repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear God, I thank you for all that you've done for me. I don't deserve it. You know my weaknesses. You know my flaws. You know all my baggage. But you still love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you made the greatest sacrifice anyone ever could. You gave your life so that I can have life. Thank you for that. I want to follow you. Help me this year to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.